Hello everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we're going to be talking about Islam and the black community. This is a subject that many people have been asking us to cover uh, despite only one of us being Muslim and neither of us being black. But we have two guests today who are both of those things. Our old friends, Gerald and uh, what are we calling you? Ach? Jug? Yeah, you can call me Ach. Yeah, I forgot what we're going with. We'll call you Ach. Um, you may remember them from previous episodes. We had Gerald on to talk about the coronavirus uh, when that was popping off. I think we had, did that in February. So kind of. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like earlier this year. Yeah. So that might be interesting to revisit. And then um, Ach was on earlier with Mike to talk about evolution and religion. So today we're going to be talking about uh, how Islam relates to the black community in the United States. Um, people have been asking about the nation of Islam and uh, Malcolm X, all that kind of stuff. So why don't you guys kind of introduce yourselves in terms of, you know, are you a convert? Are you an immigrant that kind of was born Muslim? Like, w what's your situation here? Um, so, you know, I was an immigrant. I came here very young um, from an African Muslim country. And, um, you know... The connection between being black and Muslim was just not really something that was present, I guess, I suppose, in, in the community's mind. Um, I mean, coming from Africa, everybody's black, right? So um, that's not really a thing that was um, sort of a thing, I guess, I suppose. Um, so I guess in some ways it was um, a lot more similar, I guess, to general immigrant Islam, the kind of things that... Um, you know, maybe the Arab communities or Pakistani community or other communities might have faced. Um, but definitely, you know, growing up, you do get a sense that, okay, yeah, I'm like a different kind of racial other. And, you know, there's this, you know, other community here that was previous to you, the black, you know, American community. And they have a history with Islam. And, you know, as a teen and a younger kid, I kind of gravitated towards like, you know, Malcolm X and these other figures of, you know, Black American Islam, Sirajul Hajj, and they're they're very popular. So, um, I guess that was kind of the the short of sort of my experiences. I guess being Black and Muslim. Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I was born and raised here in the United States, uh, and I was raised Southern Baptist. Uh, I really didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of other religions because it was just you know, I live in Texas. <laughs> we really don't have anything like that. You're either you know, Protestant or, or Catholic, and, and that's basically it. You may meet like a couple of Jews every now and then, or like a Hindu person, but you know, not so much. You know, Muslims or any other real religion. Um, growing up, I was pretty like heavily involved in like the uh, like the church, like the youth groups, and all that. And after a while, I stopped. You know, um, kind of stopped like kind of really going to church or kind of being active in it, or really even like really believing in it for a long time until I uh, went back to college and I um, started kind of, I guess, wanting, wanting to look more out of life, like kind of wanting to like to actually believe in something after like having such a long time not believing in anything. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching like different like religions and I found Islam like, you know, during that, that, that time. And it just kind of like felt more real than all the other ones, you know, like, you know, Judaism, Hinduism and all that. They're, they're fine and they have a lot of, you know, good tenets to them. But Islam felt just like, like it was for me, like that it was like felt like it was 
specifically for me, and it it felt like just just real, you know. I, I don't really know how to really explain it uh, <laughs> any more eloquently, unfortunately. Sure. I mean, yeah, these things can be hard to explain and to summarize in like a neat little summary like that. I think that's how we got to know one another. I think you messaged me on the Something Awful forums like way back. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've been <laughs> friends as long as Don and I have been friends. I, 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 is that right? I think that's how I, we met. I, I think so. I think I, I think um, it was. Uh, yeah, we. I think I, I, I met you because you posted on the on the laissez faire forums. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. On something awful. Rest in peace, laissez faire forums. <laughs> <laughs> so, were were there people like around you too, like in your community at all, that you, uh, you know, could uh, sort of debate these ideas through, like talk them out and stuff? Like, were you ever a member of like a Muslim community in your uh, at your college or anything like that, or is that, or is it? You know, I don't know how many Muslims are around you, sort of where you live. So I don't well, know. Yeah. Well, well, luckily enough, uh, I was able to to join uh, an MSA, like a Muslim Student Association, and I became mm-hmm. pretty heavily involved in that. I, like, became like the vice president of it for, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. Yeah, and wow, a lot of people have their own like, little. Oh yeah, I'm the, <laughs> the vice president of this like half a dozen person MSA in like a small <laughs> college in Texas, just making moves. All right. The um, sleeper cell. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, like I, I had like a, a pretty good su- support group back then. It was, it was pretty good to have that. And Alhamdulillah, it was really like important, you know, to have to have that there when I, when I made my Shahada and I, I reverted back to Islam. Was, uh, the people, were they uh, mostly like immigrants, like Desi or something, Arab? Oh, yeah. It was like, like almost 100% Desi, just like, just Pakistanis and Indians and had a couple African American, you know, Muslim friends that were there too. Mm-hmm. So you, you came to Islam by just kind of researching it o- online mainly, I assume? Since you were messaging yeah. me about it, I assume. <laughs> 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 it's just like like a lot of just like wicked like looking at Wikipedia articles, listening to YouTube videos. Okay. Um, you know, going to like uh, and <laughs> I hate to say this, I, I went to Islam Q and A a lot. You know, back well, that, in the day. Yeah, that was a big. Re- I mean, it was a big resource, and it still is, right? Like that's yeah, a very mm-hmm. prevalent thing. So that's really not very different from my experience, honestly. You know, so that's kind of funny. Um, I'm just thinking, like, was there any sort of sense of uh, of crossover or connection with the black kind of thing, like yeah, you know, Muslim and, and the the black identity? Was there any kind of thing going on there that you felt or came across? Like, if you were just looking at this online, was there any ever like, oh yeah, th- that guy I knew and you know he was a Muslim? Like, did that ever kind of cross your mind or anything? I I mean, like, like every every black person here in in America knows a story like Malcolm X and uh, Muhammad Ali. So that that's like. That, that that's like that, that's well known right but i think that the the kind of takeaway for me was the fact that like there was like a, a huge tradition of like west african muslims you know dating back like centuries of like you know scholarship and um you know philosophy and, and also other like in kind of intellectual matters that are just literally never talked about at yeah. all whatsoever yeah. even in it, inside of muslim circles you don't hear a yeah. lot about that yeah yeah, and like that was like like the, the 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 huge kind of like thing for me. It was like kind of like I, I, I I'm not going to say it's like more than like you know 
having like people around like Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali, like around to kind of represent, you know, being black and, and Muslim, right? I, I think it was like having like just that, that that knowledge that there's like a lineage of people, not just like, you know, from the 1960s, but hundreds of years back into the past uh, that were carrying those just sort of traditions and had those sort of thoughts and feelings as well, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did people sort of around you react to this at all? Like, was there any friction because of the, you know, being a Southern Baptist and that before, I guess? Like, honestly, like, I didn't really get much pushback at all whatsoever. I had like an aunt that was a, a little snippy about it. But like, other than that, it was just like, people were really cool about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really get like, any sort of like weird reaction or discrimination or anything. People were just like, just chill, you know? That's because I usually just kind of... I'm sorry? Sorry, they didn't, send, uh, they didn't try to send you to like church camp or something like that? <laughs> no, I was like in like my mid-20s by that time. Uh, so okay. that was like, I was like an adult. Like there was no, no. Like they, they, they are, I, I went to church camp and it was just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember one time we went, I went to church camp and the, we watched uh, the movie Good Burger. Like yeah, in the movie yeah. theater when it came out. It was... I don't know what that was about, but yeah, <laughs> it's a good I, movie. I had, yeah, I had a friend that went to uh, um, Jamaica once, and uh, he, 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 I like asked him, like, okay, how were things while you were there, whatever. He said that like Good Burger was like their favorite movie ever. <laughs> like everyone was like watching it all the time. He just that was like his his takeaway from it was that like Good Burger was like the most favorite movie in Jamaica or something that he saw it all the time and stuff. People were like, kept asking him about it and stuff. I don't know. Honestly, I I, I believe it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, The Malcolm X stuff you were talking about, Gerald is kind of interesting to me because that has been sort of a, like a reference point for me in terms of like, how do I be American and Muslim? And um, I imagine that, that kind of works the same way for you with being like a black American, like that there's kind of an additional dimension to that or maybe not. I don't know. I mean, in a sense that like, um, well, I guess Malcolm X and some of like the, the, the leaders of the NOI gave us like a, like a blueprint and how to like, you know, like a code of conduct, I guess, and how to behave and, and go about our, our life as Americans, I guess, not to just like kind of overly, not to like let ourselves be victims, you know, we have to actually kind of forge our own identity and like, you know, secure our own kind of place here in America. We, we can't escape from America. There's nowhere you can go to like, you know, mitigate, you know, life as a black American here, but you can kind of make yourself like a little more like secure, like a little more like, you know, uh, peaceful, like more, you know, live with like a lot more dignity. So what, what do you think in Islam works to do that? Well, I guess, like, a lot of, like, the, the commands, like, you know, kind of keep yourself, kind of, like, moderate, like, the, your, your ego, the commands to, I, I would say the commands to kind of, like, you know, treat each other with, like, like, dignity and, like, respect, like, building the community, there's, like, rules and, like, etiquette for that, um, there's, like, you know, the, the commands to kind of go out and kind of prosper, and provide for your family, provide for your community, make your community stronger, like like that sort of thing, basically. Cool, yeah. 
Um, Ach, what do you think about this kind of stuff? You mentioned that Malcolm X was sort of a thing for you as well. Can you relate to some of the things that uh, Gerald's been talking about here? Um, I think in the general sense of just Malcolm X being like a figure, I guess, in the because you you know you're growing up and obviously you hear about like you know the Sahabis and, and the prophets and things like that, but um, you know they're like growing up as a kid there muslims always like to be like okay well there's this person and you know he's an american and he's like you know muslim and great and so he, he was just like in the figures it wasn't i guess so much of a a black thing i guess but it was more like a you know famous american muslim sort of thing and, and a lot of like you know athletes kind of figured into that and things like that and you know you always get the dumb things like oh is this you know this rapper's a muslim well like da, 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 da. but um <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess that he was just kind of sort of like American Muslim for me, I guess, growing up. Not so specifically, I guess, didn't really relate to my blackness, I guess, in a way. But I think growing up, um, you know, I hit my 20s, later 20s. I think I, he's come more and more into my consciousness of, you know, maybe forging a new identity here in America. Um, because, you know, sort of the, the way that immigrant work communities work is like you can either just be like sort of an insular you know just in your community um you know just live in your ethnic ghetto with your you know your people i want to say ghetto but you know live in your ethnic community um you know and just kind of be this or just totally leave the community i guess those are the kind of two choices that have kind of been really prevalent but i mean it the the question of like what does it mean to be really like american in in a way that like i can own and not just be like either just run away from it into like a you know your little neighborhood or just maybe drop the islam i guess that some people have been doing what what way can i kind of forge an identity and i guess Malcolm x is really weighed heavily in that sort of thing sort of just living with as much you know integrity and dignity as possible so i think he's really weighed into that um in terms of being like you know an american muslim it's a capital a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely true. I think a lot of people feel that way, regardless of their background. You know, I think he uh, he did everything that someone would need to do. You know what I mean? Like he was personally very disciplined and like really, you know, like a hundred percent. You know, he did he did the whole Muslim thing a hundred percent. It wasn't like you were talking about like rappers and stuff where it's like okay, he's like Freeway is Muslim and he has a big beard, but like you know he still raps about like you know gangster yeah. stuff or whatever um and then he kind of took it all the way to the level of like trying to like really create like a community you know he had the i forgot what it's called now but that organization he built in the last year of his life and uh, ended up not going anywhere because he died but uh I, I mean he did he was kind of like uh i don't know i, I just think of like uh sort of like a Lenin or you know something like that like like really <laughs> yeah. like kind of forging like a a whole community on his own just with his own two hands yeah the blueprint yeah mm -hmm. definitely yeah. was yeah that's a pretty good comparison and I, I, I never really would have connected to I guess like Lenin and uh Malcolm X in that kind of fashion yeah I mean revolutionary leader um yeah, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Speaks with, like, shocking confidence all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was a... 
so yeah i yeah i used to be more conservative uh in terms of like you know like a young tory kind of guy whatever taking economics and all that and um you know i never i never really uh like i like you know still a catholic and all that but i did have that period uh probably during like early in the iraq war where i was just reading a lot of like noam chomsky and stuff and I, the first time that I heard, uh, you know, like I was listening to MP3s of all these different things and I got like, uh, you know, downloaded from one of those, you know, like Kazaa or something, a bunch of uh, Malcolm X speeches. And it's just, it's amazing to, you know, when you first hear it for the first time, just because it's so like clearly stated in like a powerful way that it, uh, it, it makes like normal politics and like non-religious or like just kind of day-to-day kind of political stuff seem almost embarrassing kind of thing in that way i don't know but uh um yeah i don't know it's it's, so it's interesting to see i don't know that like sort of uh, spillover where you do have people on the american left that sometimes you know valorize that kind of stuff but then it very very quickly turns into not really willing to work with people where they're at on their uh actual beliefs kind of thing like it ends up being kind of like uh, tokenizing or uh, almost like if you agree with us on this one thing, like anti-war stuff, that's fine, but we don't really treat you as full members of the community if you're fully religious and all that. So, yeah, anyways, so, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of a funny history of Malcolm X and Saudi Arabia and the, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, like a big reason why he had such a positive experience in Mecca was because he was personally invited by the king. I think the the story that I heard was that there was someone who would sit in on his lectures and uh, would ask him questions or like come up to him afterwards and sort of like pose different things to him and ask him about things or challenge him on certain things. And he was really impressed with the guy's knowledge and with the guy's etiquette and all that kind of stuff. So they kind of mm-hmm. formed like a friendship and it, the guy was, I think Jordanian or something. And it, it eventually kind of word got around and, and all that. And it got back to the King of Saudi Arabia. So he like personally invited Malcolm X to, uh, to Mecca. And so he went there and he, you know, if you're invited by the King, you're going to have a good time. You know what I mean? Like he's going to yeah. treat you well and stuff. So, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting just to see that aspect of history and then people who, um, I mean, like I'm no fan of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, but um, people who think of them as just like pure evil with no, like that they, just the fact that they will valorize Malcolm X as like this kind of saintly figure. And then at the same time, like the Saudi Arabian government is like pure evil or whatever. And then like it, the, the, the reason why you like Malcolm X is because of the, what uh, interactions he had with the, the government of Saudi Arabia. You know, it's just kind of funny how that works out sometimes. He was against the Faisal, right? That, that was yeah. before they went yeah. full. Uh, that's went true. Full, uh, villains, yeah. to be honest. So. That, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like they, they, they tried. They, they tried to be, you know, an actual like bastion of Islam back then, but nowadays, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah, a whole other thing. Yeah, um, Akha, I wanted to ask you about your, um, you know, being an immigrant and sort of having like this, like 
cultural heritage that is Muslim. How do you feel like that? Does that um, conflict with being um, with like an identity of being a black American Muslim? Is that like a different thing? Do you feel like they're in intention in some ways or do you feel like that can kind of become one thing pretty easily? Like how does that work? Do you think is that is that a problem or is that kind of not not so much an issue? You know, to be honest, I, like I said, I, I grew up in like a really, um, you know, the way the immigration works, you get all thrown into like one neighborhood, right? So my neighborhood is very insular, just basically just we were the only Muslims there, right? So I guess up until I was like seven or six, like really young, being being Muslim and like being my ethnicity was like sort of the same thing to me, I guess, in a way. Like it just didn't really click that it was like. I thought, I thought it was like, okay, we're just like that. And then, you know, I started going to Islamic, like, weekend school and stuff like that. And, you know, other part of the city and, like, you know, seeing all, all these other different cultures. And it wasn't, I mean, I guess there wasn't really, a, like, it was just like, it was more just like, I'm just one of the 1,000 flavor of immigrants that are here, I guess. Um, perhaps a little darker, but, like, it just never weighed to me that it was like, a thing i guess until like i was a teen like later but um yeah i mean i don't know it's it's a hard question to answer i wouldn't really know how to it i've been confused about it i guess myself this entire time you know you get you you have this own identity you have but then america tells you like no you're you're this and like you're you're in this category and we're gonna you know you're treated differently by the powers that be so i don't i don't know it's a it's a difficult question to answer Right. Do, do you feel like uh, with other immigrants who are, you know, like Arabs, like not like very much not black, you know, like they don't, you know, like if a cop pulls you over, they're going to see you as a black guy, right? Of course, um, yeah. If, mm. uh, but if they pull over an Arab, they're going to see him as like an Arab and maybe that is still a problem for him or something, but yeah. it's it's different, right? So uh, is there, um, like when you interact with other immigrant uh, Muslims or just like in general, the way that these communities kind of the dynamics within them, do you feel like there is some sense of like that, that there's a difference between black and non-black immigrant Muslims or is it kind of like everyone kind of feels like, yeah, we're all immigrants. We're all the same kind of thing. That's another one that's really hard to like sort of parse because, you know, we're, we're primarily a refugee community. Um, You know, came over a lot of just straight up peasants came over and people that are just escaping war and obviously a lot of the 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 quote-unquote brown community they came over with like you know h1b visas and you know doctors and, and things like that so i mean there was a different like a there's a big class difference i would say um you know we're in different parts of the city we our neighborhoods are different so it's it's hard to parse we're like is this sort is this racism is this classism but I would say, I mean, I don't know. I mean, because generally speaking, the only time I sort of interact, I guess, with communities of different, you know, Muslims, like just being around them a lot would be the mosque, right? So somebody who's more inclined to be, I guess, racist, I guess, wouldn't be that much of a mosque attender to begin with. So I, there was issues here and there, but there was Arab Pakistani issues. There was, you know, different issues. I definitely did get some, you know, straight up racist comments, but I didn't, if I'm being entirely honest, I didn't feel like growing up, I really got that sort of treatment from other communities, if I'm being entirely honest. 
non-black non-black Muslim communities. My sense as a white person is that mosques and the Muslim community in general has less of a problem with racism and kind of like interacting with people of different, you know, ethnicities and all that kind of stuff than the rest of America generally does. Uh, but right, right, right. Uh, do, do you guys agree with that? One hundred percent. Like going into a, like like a mosque as like a black man is like nobody really says anything or, or does anything or, or really cares. People are usually pretty friendly. You know, they'll, they'll chat with you. They'll, they'll they'll generally be interested in what you have to say, and and they'll be very welcoming. Like going into like a church as a as a black man going into like a like a mega church. It's like you know packed full of like a white parishioners, for example. Like it's a totally different atmosphere. People are are, are like friendly. But you can tell that they're kind of like hesitant to like talk to you or like suspicious in some sort of manner sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because like for me, when I go to a mosque that I can kind of tell sometimes that I'm like in a non-white space kind of a thing, you know, and that's a little bit unusual for me. Like generally wherever I go, I kind of feel like that's, I don't get that sense, you know, but it's sort of like, you know, you walk into like a certain restaurant or something where it's like you know that you know you can just feel like that they don't generally have people that are outside of their community here you know and you kind of just feel like an outsider but it's never been like a a hostile kind of feeling so glad to hear that that's the same it's not just like you know white another benefit of white privilege it's always nice to (laughs) to (laughs) that's the one thing you don't get tom Well, no, I mean, that, that does pop up every now and then. Uh, people like people do kind of sometimes uh, are very happy to see white converts, you know. So I guess, I don't know, is that something? I, I guess you probably haven't experienced that whole thing of like, oh boy, the the American convert. Because he's, you know, I guess if you're not white, that doesn't really count. Have you ever gotten um, that kind of thing where people are like way too happy to see you kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> not not really I, I i guess like there's like a couple of instances here and there like oh you're, you're a black american guy and you're here you know what okay to our, you know Majid. but it's not really like anything on the level that i've i've seen with some white converts where, where some muslim people just like lose their minds right you yeah see a white person walk in yeah and I, I don't even know if that's like any kind of racist sort of a thing like there's they're like super happy that a white person i think it's more like uh it, it kind of says something about islam to them like it sort of proves like look even the 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 white people in their own country will convert kind of a thing you know what i mean like i think it's something like that yeah so um i guess one thing that we were asked to discuss here was nation of islam so i don't know do you guys have any personal experience with the nation or you know any any thoughts on that um, it was one of like the, I guess the religious pathways I was researching back when I was, you know, kind of searching for something to kind of hold on to, uh, like I said before. And like, I just looked at like, like the theology and the background of it. And it's just like, uh, I mean, they have a lot of good like things about, you know, like personal responsibility and helping the community and everything like that. But a lot of the other stuff is just too much of a turnoff, like the, the past history with that some of like the the religious teachings that they have just don't make any sense you know it, I, I just it, it just wasn't for me mm-hmm. D- it didn't pass the uh like the sniff test for you no yeah how about you Ak? have you ever in- 
interacted with uh, anybody from the nation or known any like do you know anybody kind of involved there with was, that or? yeah there was a guy growing up um i don't know if he was nation i think he was former nation or he was getting coming out of it to to sunni islam but he would he was like a really nice guy though he was just like a older guy in the community i think he was former nation um but he was a cool guy he would like give he would give kids like money if they got good grades he's like a cool like mosque uncle type guy but um yeah other than that i don't know i just remember that that dude used to get really mad when the when the arabs would like kiss on the cheek he'd be like oh no what are you do? like what are you guys doing hell <laughs> stop that you know stop that shit like <laughs> but um but yeah other than that i had no real interaction with nation growing up i suppose um but yeah i, I really didn't know about that but i i did have like friends who were like i guess i think they were like selfie or whatever or something like that but um especially like in the la area and they would go off on like nation like all the time and i was like i was like yeah that, that sounds right but I, I i really didn't know like anything about their beliefs until like i actually read up on it like much later so sometimes i get the sense that you, you'll see immigrant muslims you know arabs or daisies or whatever really going hard on nation of islam beliefs and stuff and it's not like they're wrong to point things out or whatever but there's just like a lot more energy behind it that doesn't seem to be it's it feels a little bit like they're they're on some anti-black kind of a thing like they're trying to say like we're the real muslims and all these people don't understand anything and uh, that's that's actually something i heard uh every now and then when i was living in jordan was um people talking about africans as being like yeah technically they're muslim but they don't really understand anything kind of a thing <laughs> and i sort of get that sense sometimes when people go really hard on the nation uh where it's just like yeah this is just some silly thing these like lesser people came up with kind of a thing. yeah i i could see how someone would would say that but like to me like i mean the, the NOI has done a lot to like help black people in like the inner city and like a lot of the major metropolitan areas and like it's not so much just like like the religion itself it's just like the kind of spirit of helping yourself out of a situation more than anything else that i guess is what would attract people to the noi sure yeah that makes a lot of sense to me um i am a big fan of sherman jackson who has written quite a bit about the history of muslims in america and focuses a lot on the nation because that's like a big thing not only just the nation but like the groups that kind of came before them uh the temple of moorish science and all these kind of like you know for lack of a better word these kind of like black nationalist religions or whatever you want to call them uh that kind of came up in the 20th century and then culminated in the nation and then the the big mass conversion that occurred in the united states i guess this is worth mentioning a lot of people might not know this but the largest mass conversion that's been recorded in history was the conversion of uh, nation people to um, to like orthodox in air quotes um, Sunni Islam. It was like uh, seventy thousand or something like that. Really? It, yeah, yeah. Um, this was under. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, is, it like is it worth? Is it worth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah worth yeah. Dean Muhammad. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, I have, now I should say I have heard, like I've seen accounts in like pre-modern times of, of, uh, people supposedly like converting like hundreds of thousands of people to Islam by their own hands, like Sufis going into <laughs> India and stuff like that, but you can't really confirm that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that, uh, this sort of reminded me of too, is this, uh, sort of turn recently in the last year or so of people getting like extremely angry about uh, Farrakhan and um, really, really focusing a lot of like the try to canceling him kind of thing, you know, and try to, <laughs> he's like yeah. kicked off all the platforms and that and trying to use him. It used to be like a more of a far right thing, but it's become a pretty standard mainstream thing to kind of go, well, the left has people like Farrakhan, even though he's not, you know, he doesn't yeah. identify as left. But, uh, and it's it's funny because, uh, um, you know, there's there's some sort of thing there of uh, sort of like mass protest politics, whatever, which is just, uh, it's being disappeared in that way of like people, uh, you know, like Gerald pointed towards it, the, the whole thing where uh, you had people that maybe they're, you know, if you get into dig into their theology, it gets pretty weird in some ways, or or uh, critical and stuff. But that we're doing organizing work in communities that uh, a lot of people respected, kind of thing. You know, and that it's funny because online and in sort of the discourse kind of stuff now, you don't you don't get really a separate. You get like a strange separation or something where if someone has strange opinions or they say things that are controversial somehow they're like a non-person then instead of uh, someone that you try to want to work on or they're people that can, you know, even just as you said, like convert or like uh, Tom said, like uh, they can be, they, it's not like uh, they're not non-people. They can, they can be brought to different beliefs or they can be, you know, people that can be worked through in different ways or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I feel about that? I hope they stay mad about Farrakhan because, <laughs> like, cause, cause like, uh, listen, a lot of the times, you know, he's done some pretty shady stuff in the past in regards to, like the death of like, you know, Malcolm X and all that, 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 that people probably aware of that. But like, when it comes to like his philosophy about like, I guess black America, you know, becoming its own self-sufficient kind of, you know, people like, like other, you know, ethnic groups are, He's 100% right. And like I said before, I hope these people that are trying to cancel him left, right, or center, I hope they stay mad and stay mad until the day they die about it. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I I have uh, my own personal feelings about it, but I also feel like it's not really my business to <laughs> get involved. Like, sure, yeah. Like it, the, he, the Nation of Islam is, is separate from the Muslim community, right? Would you guys agree? Yeah. There's uh... not... I say Muslim adjacent. Okay, it's Muslim adjacent, and generally, I guess, like you will sometimes you'll find people who were once nation and went to, you know, became kind of more standard Muslim. I don't think there's a lot of people going the other way, um, and there's, you know, there's definitely like interactions between the two, right? But as far as like their community politics or whatever you know i think they're pretty separate like what the leadership of the nation doesn't really have any say or influence over the the general like muslim population and probably not vice versa too i mean i i can't really speak for the nation but i just get the sense that like 
you know, nation people aren't listening to like Hamza Yusuf or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. And like in, in terms of what like Don was saying earlier about like people trying to cancel Louis Farrakhan and the, I guess by extension nation of Islam, it's like people like people like try to play ping pong with like black people in this country and, and they've done it for like a long time basically. Like they, they want to try and hurt us into like whatever kind of little pet ideology that they, they want to try and expound or, or try to expand or whatever. And then when it's convenient, uh, they want to, you know, not do anything with us. They didn't want to help us out. They don't want to do anything. So I, I, I guess that's probably another reason why they're like pissed off about Farrakhan is because he, he can't really be like, like easily controlled like, like other leaders can basically. So. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Do you think that kind of stuff happens within the Muslim community as well? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got the sense that was happening during BLM. What do you mean? Do you, can you expand on that? Or? Sure. During BLM, I just felt like there was, you know, there was the whole discourse around looting. And this is uh, something I've, I've talked about a little bit before on the podcast, but um, it just happens to be the case that there are a lot of non-black muslims who own little corner stores and things like that that were pretty vulnerable <laughs> to looting and so they were very concerned about this right and the fact that there was like no real policing of that kind of stuff going on or just an inability to police it right like it was just happening and there then there was like parts of the muslim community particularly like the people of college you know like the kind of diaspora liberal <laughs> types that were really like you know they're just really standard like hard left kind of like raw raw you know, like pro looting kind of stuff almost and uh then there's people who tend to be more conservative who were like already kind of primed to be against it but then the fact that they were like there's like a real connection there to this like you know my dad's store couldn't be one of these stores kind of a thing um so i yeah i just felt like there was a little bit of a it exposed something of a rift there when it kind of felt like it sort of lumped black Muslims on the BLM side just because it's BLM, you know? Yeah. I, th I think it's, I think it's just a lot of grandstanding. Cause I know, I know people like that live in those, those areas where like the, you know, the rioting was going on pretty hard and, and like, they weren't talking about these things. They were just trying to, you know, make their day. There's no like grandstanding. I, I don't get why it's like, it's like when you see, like I was seeing like random dudes and like like the, who's that guy in malaysia that just comments on everything in america oh, yeah <laughs> who's that weird <laughs> that guy, guy that right e. miles chong yeah yeah, yeah. Was, was it him or somebody else that was like posting pictures of like the koreans with the guns from the 92 riots they're like <laughs> we're gonna defend ourselves get like it's just like dude you don't know any of these people like you're not there's no korean grocery stores in, in minneapolis bro come on like what are you doing i think it's just a lot of grandstanding against like people that just want to get their like it's in you know yeah yeah it's twitter right it's online stuff i'm sure yeah. mostly it, so that's how it always is it's usually grandstanding from people that just really want to say the n-word that, that, that's basically <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's 100 like the the crowd that, that's doing it they're like oh man these people are protesting for like pr pretty legitimate reasons and they're pretty pissed off about you know the, the current material conditions and everything and and really, what they really want to say is why can't the, we get these n words under control? Th that's what they really want to say. So everything those people have to say, I, I completely disregard. 
And then there's also like people that are like, oh, look at my model minority over there doing the doing the hard work of the revolution, right? So it's like I don't know. Yeah. So it's very hard to to make make sense of that sort of thing. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, uh, kind of going back to Malcolm X, uh, you know, he famously made the comments about how Islam is like a solution to racism in the United States. Uh, how do you feel about that? He's right. Uh, Next question. Depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I would definitely say depends. I would say I would say it depends on the the like what is it, like what does that mean? I mean, there's like there's like Libya, right? They're Muslim, and they're they're famously um, have interesting ideas about black people, right? So. <sighs> It's it depends on the the type of work. I think if we can accept, I suppose, like Black Americans as their own independent, you know, self standing on their own feet, sort of just you know another piece of the mosaic of of Islam and of the end of America. Yeah, but if it's like just another, I don't know. Like I think I think you just have to give people their respect, I suppose, as a community, and like sort of give them their space, I suppose. That's how I sort of felt as like a immigrant Muslim, right? Like I'm I'm my <laughs> own thing, I'm this, you know. So I don't know. What do you think? I believe it could be like a solution for, for racism. And it, it's gonna be something that's gonna have to be like like demonstrated by like the Muslim community here. There's gonna have to be like a lot of tighter bonds with each other and no more arguments about petty stuff. No more weird Muslim Twitter rants or anything just like, I, I guess like a, just a lot more uniformity, a lot more love and a lot more like, like, like care about things that actually matter, you know? And, and I think people in America, like your, your average Midwesterner or some guy in California, whatever would start to be attracted toward it. I think. Okay. So why Islam over like Christianity or, you know, like uh, just the general like anti-racism, liberalism sort of stuff. Like, what what does Islam do that that makes it stand out here? Well, I I feel that like Christianity here in America is like completely compromised just to the kind of like the racialized aspects of it that were kind of imposed during slavery. Like a lot of the you know, Bibles, for example, that the slaves got had all the passages about freedom and. And liberty and everything and 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 and, and dignity and self-respect and all that like taken out and just like replaced with things about like you know obeying your masters and things of that nature and a, a lot of like a lot of like right-wing kind of like racist movements use like a you know they're they're, they're quote-unquote christian-based you have the ku klux klan like you know the uh what's identity it yeah christian identity yeah. Like a, a lot of those, because I, I really don't feel that, that those are going to be, I really don't feel that Christianity would be like a viable candidate for that, I think, because it's just like tainted from like past abuses, basically. Mm. I I think the, the ayat about, um, you know, like how Allah made everybody into communities, right? And into different nations and, and tribes. And, you know, just, just sort of respect each other and, and, give each other space and let's stop, I don't know, stop getting involved, I guess. Like when I go to the mosque, right? It's just like, okay, there's the Pakistanis, they got their food, they got their stuff, boom, chill dude, you know, learn their culture, learn a couple of words, okay, 
um, Arabs, you know, I think, I think, um, American could sort of be like that, sort of like a, you know, who, who care kind of sort of thing to, to, uh, race and, uh, things of that nature. Yeah. Sort so of, the mosque is kind of a blueprint for a better America sort of a thing. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think pray so. next to people, pray next to side to side, see, see people just around you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everyone gets to do their own thing, but then there's sort of like a united cause, and there's a sense of we're all one umma, kind of one community in a in a bigger sense. But then everyone can still have their own culture, have their own, you know, their own language, all, all that kind of stuff. Their own maybe particular traditions. Like one thing that kind of gets a little bit complicated is when you have people that have from their cultures they have different interpretations of Islam, you know, and they don't always mesh very well. And then you throw Salafism into the mix, which is sort of like, is that a, a like a Saudi Arab kind of a thing? Or is that some sort of like, tra- does it transcend culture in some kind of way? You know, it definitely wants to do that. Right. So it, right, it gets right. pretty complicated. So um, I guess it's it's really about how do we navigate that stuff? You know, what do you guys think? I mean, I think that in, in itself is like sort of a, a good thing, right? Like give people the toolbox sort of like a, a list of options right you can go this method this method that method you want to be a selfie with you know at the chicken shop you're sure you can do it as well you know maybe if people weren't so straight jacketed into like okay i'm this race and i gotta do this right if you had a little couple different group like paths of life that you could take yeah or, or guides to social navigate social life Otherwise, you're just going to default into, like, I don't know, the Turner Diaries or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on the idea of um, cultivating leadership inside the United States? Like, how that might relate to things like, you know, just like uh, the political struggle of black people in America? Do you think that that has any relevance? Well, I mean, like there are some like new institutions, like like Zaytuna, like for for what what that's worth, and I think Yakin Institute that are trying to do things like with the broader Muslim community that that, that should have that that same sort of effect with uh, like the Black community as far as like getting getting not just like Muslim faces out there, but like Black Muslim faces out there uh, as part of like an outreach to people. You know, uh, there there are places like that, right? So I mean. We just kind of need to keep going that route, I think. Uh, I do think, I, I don't know. I think you could definitely take, because like, I feel like, I don't know, like what do these, what do these institutions do though? Like, are they just going to create like another talking head on social media or like, I don't know. It's, well, it's hard I, to make sense of that. I mean, like it's too early to tell since a lot of them have been really only created in like the last, like what, but five to ten years probably or so so we really don't know but i mean i think that's that would be our, our our best bet here i mean i'm not really aware of any other options that we have at the moment you know i think maybe we could take like a, a step a, a page I, I suppose out of you know malcolm x's playbook i guess really at the end of his life as well i forget i i apologize for forgetting the name it was like something ink yeah, I, I was having trouble remembering this too. I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of sort of just you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can unplug ourselves from being 
constantly let down by political orgs and talking head factories, I suppose. Maybe, I don't know, like, I like the, I really like his idea of, you know, for black people in America or Muslims or any other community that you have to be sort of self-sufficient in a way. I don't know, like get people, you know, give them like a, maybe a path they can take, like, you know, the community organizes to get people trained and give them jobs and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, you know, figure like sort of give them a viable life path other than just being out there in the, the meat grinder mm-hmm. like i like his i can't i can't imagine that i mean there's because there's always that economic aspect of, of why black people are so you know the, the position that we're in, in in america so i don't know i think yeah. i think not to just unplug ourselves from from hoping democrats will throw us a bone and do something organizing on islamic lines perhaps I mean, like, th- there are communities that, that have been doing that. There's, like, um, that one is, like, a, a, a little town in New York. It's, like, Islamville, I think it, I think it's called. Islamburg, yeah, yeah. I really yeah, like Islamburg. that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, a model like that would maybe be, like, the, I guess, solution. Maybe. I mean, maybe we don't all move to the, to, uh, to the farm out in upstate New York, but, I mean, something, I mean. You just got to return going, to the right? tradition. Yeah, return. return to the tradition, to the to the to the to the land. There have been little, like, cult. for lack of a better word, like Islamic cults that have done this. Like Dar al Islam is one, and they've been really focused on that agricultural kind of thing, like making a commune, basically, where it's you know you you have your land, you, you grow your own food, and then you don't have to deal with like the rest of the country and what they're doing because you kind of are self sufficient, but. Is that like a real vehicle for for like political change or like liberation of like millions of people? I don't know. I mean, I don't think full Waco is like the way to go, but I do think like maybe getting, (laughs) I do think getting people like, I don't know. I definitely think like maybe job programs, I suppose, maybe just like that would be a, a viable thing, maybe. Just like giving them any sort of pathway outside of like wage slaving for someone else. Like if you're going to wage slave, like wage slave for yourself, you know, like, like assisting, like, like assisting this country in its own suicide, basically by like making other people rich and allowing them to like do terrible things is, is probably not the best way to do it. So we have to like find a way to give people like meaningful jobs, like some sort of meaning in their life and a way to kind of sustain themselves and, and their family without like. Like, 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 uh, Ox said, just turning into like weird Waco, you know, Branch Davidian, Ruby Ridge type situations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is kind of the, the, the reason that Farrakhan has like, you know, been around and, and is still popular to the extent that he is, is because he's been able to kind of build these businesses and stuff. Like, he gives people jobs in the various companies right. that he runs, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think this sort of stuff does happen in a very informal way in, it's not just a Muslim thing. I think this happens in all kinds of different religious communities, right? No, like people uh, kind of uh, hook each other up with jobs and, and just helping each other out and fundraising and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, yeah. the immigrants do it, right? The immigrant community right. that, that are, you know, that I, I know like in my own community, there's like sort of informal, like, like credit unions, people pull their money and things of that nature. If we can get that, maybe 
more organized and, and, and broader and appeal it to the whole community. Mm-hmm. Versus just little insular pockets. I think that would be better than something other than like Twitter rants, right? So Yeah. 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 It would kind of I feel like that would cut through some of the culture war BS. You know, people wouldn't be so interested in like taking sides on these like meaningless debates and kind of like <laughs> having all these, you know, it just is really divisive over nothing. And if people had like a, like a real connection to the community, like this is the community where I got my job or this is a community where I, you know, like that kind of a connection, I think they would be a lot less interested in like having really, like you call it grandstanding over like these kind of like you know just cultural issues and, and kind of just understanding like where that fits into the actual like having priorities above that you know where it's like right. it's more important my community is more important than like my opinion and or my disagreement on this you know on some issue you know what i mean right right i mean there's like like my favorite example actually i can think of right now there's a muslim org their name forgets me but they organize interest-free housing options for people that want house like to buy a house right they Mm -hmm. they they do they do some kind of money gymnastics i don't know if it's entirely uh i don't know how it works but they can get people interest-free housing loans for people that either don't want to buy or like they don't just don't have as much money i suppose like things of that nature you know there's an organization here in chicago that i think does really fantastic work with uh Muslims and it really focuses on people who are coming out of prison and getting them mm-hmm. jobs. So it gets them construction jobs, yeah, and they're unionized jobs and that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Like they're building houses, you know, they're doing uh, electrical work, all that kind of stuff. It, uh, I mean, that's a really, you know, it, there's a lot of people that convert to Islam in prison for whatever reason, and then, <laughs> you know anybody coming out of prison it's not easy to get a job so that's that seems to me to be something that muslims really ought to focus on you know we can we can we can snag uh Ghislaine maxwell next <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get her next put her in a burqa okay. we can but save I, her yeah but i think those sort of like local institutions like the different trying to build like credit unions or any sort of any sort of like uh local sort of economic projects and stuff um, I think that that's, that's great because, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily believe the same things to share best practices and ways of organizing those things kind of thing, right? Like you can be, uh, Catholic or something or, or different religions and, uh, learn the sort of ways that those things can be replicated and best practices and all that, um, and share those ideas. And then people can kind of do that within their own community instead of having to worry about, um, instead of having to worry about agreeing on everything and building it always together, you can always have these sort of like, you know, economic pluralism where people are sort of doing their own thing, but you sort of try to figure out models of things that work in terms of cooperatives and all that. So I don't know. I, I get really excited when I read about that kind of stuff To, um, I feel like if there's goodwill and there's like a sort of community coordination that uh things move pretty quickly like i don't know like you can get something done and it is as you guys were saying it's better probably than uh posting all the time so yeah (laughs) sure yeah i should mention though that that iman organization that i 
I'm referring to, they are, it's not like exclusive to Muslims. Like they accept sure. people of whatever faith. And I think that's an important part to keep in mind with these kind of things. Like it's, it shouldn't be like it's only for Muslims or something, but it's just like maybe focused on that community or built up in that community. And then it, that kind of contributes to the, like the, the nation building for lack of a better term of like building up yeah. like a, a, the community of, in that sense, but also like integrating it into the, um, into like the, the broader culture in like a healthy and sort of like, uh, you know, being able to stand on its own two feet, you know, and not just like this sort of, um, assimilating into it. Sure. You know, it, it's more like developing its own, a community on its own principles and values. Uh, I, I looked up the Malcolm X thing that we were talking about and it's uh, Muslim Mosque Inc., which was mm. a religious organization. And he also did the organization of Afro-American Unity, which was a pan-African uh, secular group. He founded both of those two things. Mm. That was the one, yeah. He, he, did, it, did it survive past his death or did it, did it go? I, I remember he was talking about it in the last like, few weeks I of his th- life. Yeah, I think it did. Which, which one are you asking about? The Muslim uh, Mosque? The, Muslim lost, yeah. Um, it it collapsed after he died, according to Wikipedia. Mm. Yeah, and and then the uh, so the other one also collapsed after after he died too. Basically, they they were just getting off the ground, and then once he, you know, once he was killed, it wasn't much to keep it going. I guess, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I did forget. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is uh, about the Nation of Islam thing that, that kind of, I forgot where I read it, but a lot of the times where Islam, you know, spreads to a society like on the edges of like, you know, Muslim habitation, I suppose. A lot of the times when it does spread to a country where Islam has not been there before, it's a very heterodox and not anything you would associate with orthodox, quote unquote, Islam at all. But then later, you know, Later, it just kind of, I guess, becomes orthodox, I suppose, on its own, especially like in Indonesia and these areas in Bangladesh. It's like very, you would not really recognize it as orthodox Islam at all. It's sort of, I kind of guess Nation of Islam sort of fits in that sort of category as well. So I just had that thought in my mind. I, I, I think I read it somewhere. I think my, I think uh, Sheikh Sherman might have mentioned it or something. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think there's some speculation and a, a little bit of evidence that the people who were starting these groups were like proper Muslims, or some of them were Ahmadi, and they uh, they were trying to make adjustments to kind of fit the people that they were preaching to, you know, so that there was like a overt attempt to kind of adjust the theology to address the needs of the community and stuff. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessary or not, but yeah, you're, I think you're right that that, that tends to be something that you see. Yeah. The founder was like a really shady, like they don't know where he came from. Right. He just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was like literally a guy off the street and he just like disappeared. <laughs> He's from Afghanistan or something like that. I, I, my Afghan friend tells me that all the time. Oh, you know, Afghans founded. Afghans Islam. say everybody's yeah. from Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tells me all the time. Yeah, it's possible though. I, I I think the the theory that 
I forget why this made the most sense to me. I forget the details, but I think the one that made the most sense to me was that he was like an Indian. Maybe West yeah. Indian. Yeah. They just they just thought he was light skinned back then, so they accepted him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of like the story I read about this like jazz musician who was being discriminated against like in the city, right? And so what he does is he puts on a turban and then he tells people like, Oh, I'm an Indian now and all of a sudden he's getting led in like restaurants <laughs> and like getting full service and like people could take him to the VIP area. Cause he's, he's like a light skinned black man, but, but he's like, he's telling these, these white people that he's Indian. It's like, Oh, you're not one of them. And just like this being like given the, the full on VIP service, like literally because he put on a hat and it just told them they wasn't black. Well, you know, Gerald, this would happen to you too. If you just pulled your pants up, it's really, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah that, 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 that's basically what I have to do. I have to, I have to, I have to <laughs> willpower my way into society not being uh, racist towards me. Hell yeah. yeah. We have standards, okay. <laughs> Dola, Dolezal is actually uh, you know, respecting the ancestors by pulling that off. Oh my god. Don't even get me started on that shit. Like, okay. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what? Why? What, why would what's with with these like white women it's like specifically white it's never like a a black it's like never like a a white man it's never like someone looks like tom who just goes into like a tanning booth and says i'm a black man now it's it's always specifically only white women like that are like pretending to be black like i don't i don't get it well there is a what's his name sean king oh yeah I don't know. Well, he, I, I don't know if that's the same case. I, I I know there's like some debate about that. I don't really know what the actual uh, issue is there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think he's I think he's just like a a white man who has like a black grandma and just like I'm black, y'all, and tries to make money off of that basically. So I think Dolezal had a black husband, so we gotta we gotta take some of the blame. Okay. How do you, no, 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 no. I think she did. I no. think she did. No, her, her he, kid looks a little black. Well, yeah, he, he okay, she does, but you mean to tell me <laughs> No, 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 no. You mean to tell me that this this man piped her down that hard that she was like, "Damn, I'm going to I'm going to become a black woman now." Is is, is that what happened? Is that, is that the, is the line of logic that we're going with now? I think I think the grifter bucks rolled in and he was like, "You know what? <laughs> you might be a little black now." Like, <laughs> she was like, you know, I think I do have a little African in me. Um, yeah. There's an actual benefit to being black <laughs> in America. I just have to be white first. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that stuff is funny. I don't. Know. Do you? Do you guys? Does that make you mad when you see stuff like that? It, it's, oh, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't no, make right. me mad anymore. It, it's just like it's like watching like a car, like a car crash or a car wreck or something. It's just like you you want to know what happened and how that happened, and you just want to like move on with your day, basically. At, at this point, you know what? I just thought of it. You know what it is? White women can't be wiggers. Like if I'm a white guy that wants to do that, I just like you know just listen to a lot of rap and start talking like that and dressing like that and stuff, and I don't oh, have to. Yeah. Then I'm not like. Uh-huh pretending to be black i'm just 
you know, like I don't have to do that. I can just be like that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've met a couple of white women that were just like, that they, they, they kind of had that, that's the same sort of like kind of rigorous vibe. And, and it, anyone really ever cared about her or anything. So I, I don't think that there's like a, like a, not like a, I, I don't think there's, there's, there's like a taboo against that necessarily for like white women to do that. I think, yeah, I think it's just some sort of mental illness or something probably. Yeah. I'm allowed to I say just, wigger, right? Yes. Yes, you are, Tom. Okay. As long <laughs> as you don't say the other word, you're, you're, you're good. Well, okay. at this point, at this point, I want to see how far they can get. I'm not even mad anymore. I just want to see the whitest person pull off that they're black. <laughs> <laughs> and how far they can get from many years. Well, there was that guy, that like poetry professor, or whatever. Did you guys see this? He was like some Irish guy who. Yeah. <laughs> what was his deal? He was like saying he was African or something. He said, he said like 10 different things. Like you said, he was uh, indigenous yeah. and African. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and he had, uh, yeah, I don't know. He looked like, it was kind of funny because he just looked like a very, very, I think he was also two-spirit or whatever, you know, like. Uh, oh, of, of course. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he had all the, the braiding and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Everyone's very... so special inside, you know. It's so amazing. Oh, man. I don't know, but I mean, I felt like that was his job and that's fine to me. You know what I mean? Like, he just like, he just, uh, he's like a professional identity person and, um, <laughs> he just, uh, and then he, you know, he was talking exclusively during his day, probably to other people who are like there to learn about what other kind of things they were going to be in the future. So like they would, you know, they could be like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you're African. Maybe I'll be African or something. So, Maybe yeah. I'll be <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I got I to talk to my guidance counselor. I'm going to be African. In the yeah, 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 it's, yeah, just, yeah. So. it's just like a sponge for identities. So you yeah. <laughs> accumulates them. Yeah. Like, like Rogue from X-Men. <laughs> like, <laughs> he like touches them and <laughs> he's like, wow, half Peruvian now. Yeah. gotta gotta connect all the ethnic you know uh, (laughs) stones to put him on my gauntlet so i can say the n-word i guess (laughs) yeah absorbs their lived experiences right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um i want to get one Uh, last uh question in before we go to the uh the question bag from the listeners here was jesus black no he's a Mm. middle eastern man Jesus was uh, it's a hard question no I I would say I love Alam but he's an Israelite so God knows what they look like I I feel that this is an easy one I think he's he's just an Arab man he's an Arab man who people I guess through the ages kind of assumed that he was white due to just like people from like a specific time in like the Renaissance painting him as that but the, the the man is Arab. He, he's an Arab man. He's from the Middle East. He's from if I mean you you can go there right now and, and go to some like remote village and go look at what people look like basically back then now. So mm-hmm. like he, he he's an Arab man. I don't know. It's kind of hard. One of my one of my Palestinian friends looks like a you know Aryan youth cadet, and one of them looks like he could be a borderline black guy. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, you know the there are some hadith that describe uh, how Jesus looked, 
And, yeah, uh, I think he was like reddish or something. With, with yeah, they the, say reddish, which you know in Arabic kind of means like a fairer skin tone. And mm. um, there, there, it always describes him as like dripping wet or like looking as if he was wet. What? <laughs> yeah, there's only okay. a few hadith that describe him. So like maybe it, it's often like uh, someone seeing him. You know, I think like. Uh, like the prophet seeing him and stuff like that. And it, it says like he saw him and he, he was like, had, like his hair was dripping. So he had the drip. Yeah. He had the drip. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that's he, right. he had the soul glow drip going on. You guys know the, um, Moses is black in, uh, according to Hadith and like Islamic stuff. Yes. Mm, didn't I know that one actually? Yeah. Like, like very black. Like he was described as like blacker than the the darkest tribe that was in the area that they would like reference. And uh, mm. I think Ali was also uh, darker. I know there's that book that's like uh, like black no- nobility in early Islam or something like that that I've been meaning to read that um, discusses all of this kind of stuff where it's like there were all these people who we would look at as and consider black that are like major figures in early Islam, but we don't like, like they didn't focus on that fact, you know, like they had people of all kinds of different skin tones and that wasn't like a major, you know, they didn't, they, it wasn't like a big thing for them. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. the, the greatest, I think pre Islamic Arabian, like in like all of the poetry, Antara, he's, he's a black guy. He's described as like crow black. So he was like the, the Hercules of like the Arabs of the time, so. Hmm. Crow black. That's a cool way to describe it. Yeah, they had they had like um there's like a couple of like really dark or like black Arabs. And they they did a lot of like Hercules type stuff, so they were called like the crows of the Arabs. This is a pretty cool like pre Islamic stuff. Okay, so let's uh let's jump over to the listeners' questions here. This is one that I don't think we've answered. I we may have gone over this before because it kind of seems familiar to me, but it'd be interesting just to get your guys' takes on this. So, it says, "Hey guys, I really enjoy the show. I hope this isn't presumptuous or anything, but your conversation last week. Th- so this was from like February. So your conversation last week about Jacques Maritain reminded me of a couple scholars I've been reading a lot lately, and I was wondering if you know them." Tom, I'm curious if you've ever read anything by Ibrahim Musa. He seems to take a lot of inspiration from Alama Iqbal, and he writes a lot about being true to Islam in a secular society in a really interesting way. Khalid Abu Fadl is another really interesting scholar who writes about similar stuff. I was wondering if either of you have read any Billy Bill Collin I was wondering if either of you have read any Bill Connolly. He's sort of a post-liberal guy who's trying to formulate a post-liberal theory of pluralism. If either of you know anything about any of them, I'd be super interested in hearing your thoughts. Okay, so now that I'm reading this, I'm pretty sure we have covered this question, Don. But um, let's let's just kind of talk a little bit about this uh, uh, idea of like Islam in a secular society. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Like, there's a lot of people that talk about this sort of stuff. Like, is Islam compatible with secularism and, and all that kind of question? So, what are your takes on that? Hmm. Islamic secularism. I think uh, I think it gives us a pretty good chance. It just depends on what the they mean by secularism. I don't I like yeah. if it's the European version, like the French and the Belgians and the sort of things that they try to do, like the the Weasley laws they do to like punish 
religion. I wouldn't accept that, but I do think it like a really laissez-faire, just secular society is pretty much the best you can expect, I suppose, from the West. Better than a lot of Islamic countries too that that punish people that try to live quietly as Muslims. So I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I would agree with you basically. Like, uh, just like living in a country like like the United States. Like, I guess as a Muslim, it's way better than, like, living, like, in France or, like, Belgium where they try to pass all those, like, weird laws where you, like, like the one where you can't, like, if you refuse to see a doctor of the opposite sex, you get fined, like, 75,000 euros or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it just really kind of depends on, on how the society is, I guess. If it's, like, a weird draconian one like that, then, then no. Yeah. I've always kind of felt like the way that we do secularism in the United States is pretty close to the way you would do it in like a like an ideal Islamic society too. Like it would functionally be fairly secular in the sense of like you wouldn't you know like the the state would not have any coercion or anything in, involved in your religious beliefs or your practices. It would just kind of like if you are of a particular religious group as long as it's not like my religion is murdering my neighbors or something like it would be pretty okay with it. Right. I think, I think Dr. Jonathan Brown, I believe was, was speaking about that lately in terms of like, not like the, the maximum of non-involvement you can have from the state is, is ideal for, for Muslims. But the, how the, 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 de- the devil's in the details, I guess. Well, it's sort of like a, like a, I guess like a, minarchist or kind of libertarian society i guess yeah when it comes to you know religious observance yeah that would definitely be ideal okay i can see that yeah so um the other uh, islamic scholar mentioned here is khalid abu fadl are you guys familiar with him at all no not really no okay um i am um he is so he is a, uh, I think he's Egyptian, and he's been uh, here in the United States for quite a long time, and has been doing a lot of stuff about. He's been teaching and writing about how to, um, how to phrase this. I would say that he it tends to be on the kind of progressive side of things in the sense of like, you know, we need to adapt the our understanding of the sharia to modern circumstances and that he mm-hmm. tends to be more lax on things like hijab and um i'm not sure if he's lax on the issue of women leading prayer but uh he's definitely like he's okay with dog ownership and um women giving a don i think is another thing that he talks about um, so like when it comes to hijab, he doesn't go the route that like you see people who are just completely disregarding the tradition. Like he's very grounded in the tradition. Like he's interested in, in upholding the Sharia as it's like traditionally been done. But he is um, that de- you can definitely see that his he's trying to like uh, find a way that will work for people where they are, you know, so like he, he says that there's a lot of perfectly good reasons to not wear hijab and to you know that there definitely shouldn't be like pressure or um 
you know, you shouldn't be like hassling people about it or harassing people if they don't wear it, that kind of a thing. Um, but he doesn't go so far as to say like, oh no, you know, we misunderstood this for centuries and actually it's not really required or, you know, like how you sometimes see progressive Muslims do that kind of thing. So I don't know, what, what are you guys' uh, feelings about progressive Islam, like that sort of a thing? I guess it depends on how progressive we're talking. If it's like kind of weird stuff, like uh, like what's her face, like a uh, Amina, what would do this trying to do? Then then no. Okay, so probably most of our listeners aren't really familiar with her, um, unless they're Muslim. So what what is her deal? What what's your issue with her? Uh, she she if I recall correctly, she's the one that that's basically trying to like do things like have women lead prayers and. A lot of she's said a lot of really inflammatory things about like major figures in in Islam, like major prophets, like uh, like like Musa, for example, or like or Ibrahim. Yeah, Ibrahim was the big. She she called Ibrahim a deadbeat dad for leaving Hajar and and uh, their son in the desert. Yeah, so like if, if it's stuff like that, then I'm I'm not a big fan of that, but. I mean, when it comes to things that like uh, like like Jonathan Brown was talking about, that that's what I'm more or less in favor of. I think I think I can respect it if it's coming from a place of I guess intellectual honesty. I suppose like working within the tradition, using the the sources and, and things like that. And, and if their ruling is quote unquote progressive or or, or you know. I mean, like there's scholars of the past that have had, you know, like they 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 were like took very different opinions, but they came through them through like working with the tradition and, and and being a part of it. But if it's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out how I can bend the rules to get this desired thing that I want. I mean, I I can't really respect that in a sense. So I think that's my take on it. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. That's kind of where I land on these things. That it's more important to me that we uphold like the the heritage of Islam and like keep that intact than it is like whatever particular ruling we kind of land on collectively. You know, like it, I think that if we just start making stuff up without really respecting the tradition, it's not gonna the tradition won't benefit us anymore. You know, we we can't like take benefit from it and also disregard it as it fits. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, okay. Here's someone asking about suicide bombings. Tom, how do you see Islamic suicide bombings and that whole theological and political debate that happened during the early two thousands about it? Um, I'll throw this one to you guys first and then I'll, I'll chime in afterwards. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Well, um, I, I guess my thoughts on it is that they are completely and totally haram and they're not a legitimate way of like waging war, I guess, if that's your, your goal. And, and it's mostly done by people who have, are just like, at like the bottom tier of society, people who have like basically like nothing left. Like they don't have a family to go to, like they're probably like some sort of former criminal or they have some sort of like mental illness or something that's not being treated at all. And it, it's really, it's just really like an all around, just like, just like the worst, like obviously duh, cause you're, you're blowing yourself up. It's like, like the worst possible thing you, you can do not only for yourself, but for, for Islam in general, cause it just makes us look like we're, we don't care about anything. Like we're bizarre savages that are just in some weird death cult 
Yeah, pretty much agree with all that. It's like it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I don't know how it became a thing. But they they sure do sir, like love to blow up mosques all the time. It yeah, seems to be their favorite thing <laughs> yeah. to do. It's like yeah, like where did that come from? That that's something that gets lost sometimes when uh, people who are like really anti-Islam talk about it. They kind of think of it as something that Muslims like do as a jihad against the West or something as like a primary thing, and that it's some sort of like glorified cultural tradition or something and it's really not um i i feel a little bit um i think it gets a little bit reductive uh the conversations about it and i haven't like gone over the fatwas about it like the the big one was the one that um uh what's his name the, the mufti in pakistan i'm i'm blanking on his name now but he wrote like a 600 page fatwa uh, explaining why it's haram and um i honestly i i think that you need to separate suicide bombing in the abstract from the terroristic suicide bombing that we kind of think of today i think it's pretty clearly haram when it's like this terroristic thing but the idea of like suicide missions in warfare has existed in a lot of places, uh, it, I mean, it, it was in the, the Civil War had suicide bombings. The Confederates would do that. Um, you know, it, it's not something that is, comp- it, it's not something particular to Islam to have people that do this sort of thing. I mean, like there's before Islam, the people who were famous for this were the kamikaze, uh, you know, the Japanese, right? And um, I am not, you know, I, I just think that that is like a separate issue. I'm not necessarily saying that I think that one is halal and one is haram. I, I think it's pretty, it pretty. It would make a lot of sense to me if they were both haram, but I think that there's like separate things going on when you're doing like a terroristic thing versus when you're employing some kind of war tactic. You know, like if you're in a war, uh, Islam has a lot of rules about that, right? So you can't yeah. destroy, uh, you, you know, you can't destroy places of worship whether they're Muslim or not, you can't harm old people or children or women who are non-combatants. You can't cut down trees. You can't use fire. You can't hurt animals uh, like livestock and stuff like that. You can't can't affect beehives. You can't destroy those. Like there's all kinds of things you can't do. And um, I think that the maybe this would be included in that. But that's like a separate issue from the from why terroristic suicide bombing should be haram, right? Like that is very obviously haram for a lot of reasons. Um, But if you're in a war situation, I think it's a little bit different because it's not necessarily like you're not throwing your life away any more than you might otherwise being involved in a war. You know, you might be like doing some sort of like, if if, like if, uh, so this is sort of, this isn't a, in a Muslim context, but like in during the winter war, when the Soviets invaded Finland, so there was something the Finns would do to take out uh, tanks. And they were essentially suicide missions because it involved two guys, one guy with a submachine gun and the other guy with a, uh, a Molotov cocktail. And they would throw, I, I might be misremembering this, but it's, it's basically something along these lines where the one guy with the cocktail would throw it on the back of the tank. It would set it on fire and all the people in the tank would have to get out. And then the guy with the machine gun would gun them all down and that would destroy a tank and the whole crew. And, uh, 
if you're fighting a war, that is, you know, you're, that's a profit to you in this sense, right? Like you're gaining yeah. by taking out a tank and the whole crew by only giving up two guys who are probably going to be killed once, you know, once they take out the tank. Now, I, I, it's just, you see what the point I'm making here? I, I, I get the point that, that you're making, but with with that point that you just made about the winter war you can you can mitigate i guess you can have like a situation that's like i guess tactical in nature where you can kind of skew the odds in your favor so when you send those two guys out it's not so much as like a suicide mission it's so much as like a pretty difficult job that that could be that could be manageable and be doable sure right and with the earlier example you had of like uh, the kamikaze attacks that was just a tactic that the japanese adopted I do basically due to desperation because they're losing the war. Like, well, they that's, didn't, like, that's essentially yeah. When the, the, whenever you see this, like that, that's why the Confederates were doing it. That's that's why Palestinians yeah. and, and Lebanese started to do it against yeah. like the Israelis and stuff. You know. Yeah. So I mean, like, like I, I guess in that sort of context, when you, I guess it's like a last ditch, like for the motherland sort of thing, when like all the chips are down and you have to like do something, like uh, anything, you know, to. So the enemies advance, I guess, but like even then, it, it's still wasteful, and it probably would like if you were to like like revive like Saladin, for example, right, and like tell him like, hey, people are using this as a as a tactic in war. Like he'd probably say that that was probably a bad idea, and he would probably declare that Haram too. Sure, yeah, I'm totally willing to accept that it's Haram, and I think there's a lot of strong points you can make against. I'm I, again, my point is just that it's like it, it's its own situation that should be weighed on you know in that context rather than like lumping it all together um yeah i mean one thing to to point out though like is the palestinian occupation became very costly to the israelis it used to be something that was somewhat profitable because they would be able to like employ palestinians in very low wage work and there was a lot of uh companies that were making bank uh off of kind of like having this occupation situation. Uh, but once they had to, you know, what, after the second intifada, when they started to do like uh, suicide bombings and it got really militant, they had to employ all these security measures and stuff like that. And that made it really expensive to the point where it was really only the security companies that were making any money off of it anymore. So that really changed the, like the landscape and the, the kind of the balance of power between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So it, again, I'm not, I'm not weighing in on whether I think it's halal or haram. That's not for me to decide, but I just think that there's a lot of things that you need to consider when you're talking about these kinds of things. Um, my take is that it's always haram and bad and Finnish people and Russian people should just find a way to live together. Exactly. <laughs> Why is there so much infighting in the white community? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's another debate. Whether the, the Russians are included yeah. in that community, we can try. <laughs> that's what uh, part of the podcast is about, you know, trying to get Ukrainians and Finns uniting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is the, the, the Sino-Soviet uh, split, kind of. We're bringing it, we're healing those wounds. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Uh, what do you think of casting curses on the enemies of the people of the book? <laughs> what? Cat, wait, what is that? Casting curses on the people, on the enemies of the people of the book. What is that? Yeah, so enemies of the people of the book 
uh, casting curses on them. So it's not uh, curses on the people of the book. It's the enemies of them. Who I don't know exactly who this is referring to, if anyone in specific. I guess it's like non-Abrahamic like people or just like... Well, if they're enemies, right? So, no. I, I mean, I witch, like witchcraft and all that is, suppo- is supposed to be like Haram as well, too. So, I mean, honestly, if you're having to do all that, all that sort of thing just to like win, if you're having to like suicide bomb people and like hire a witch doctor to like, you know, curse some, some guy, then whatever you're doing probably needs to stop. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I don't think I don't think cursing is is halal either. It's pretty haram in my opinion. Shouldn't curse yeah, people. I think Pray it's. I, I mean, it's not stated in the Quran or the Hadith why it's haram, but I think it's because it's very cringe. It's cringe and blue pills. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're against it, I guess. Yeah. That's right. We're we're now issuing fatwas here on you can't get. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one might not make the cut, but let's just try this one out. So it says, dogs don't like them Negroes much, huh? (laughs) What? What? Oh, man. I've had bad experiences with dogs. I can, there might be some validity to that. I think think we are well aware of your opinion about dogs. (laughs) Yeah, so for the listeners... Ach is deathly afraid of dogs. Not afraid, wary, and on guard. <laughs> it's a different thing. It's not afraid. It's a it's a safety thing. Right. So, like I said, he's very afraid of dogs, and uh, I, I guess I guess you have like the very um, stereotypical like Muslim thing about dogs, right? You kind of buy into all that stuff. I was attacked by dogs in my own house multiple times, and and outside multiple times. Wait, in your own house? Yeah, they just ran in. He was just playing Xbox and (laughs) ran in through the window. (laughs) Literally multiple occasions, dogs have run into my house. Were they wearing a MAGA hat? (laughs) They weren't wearing a MAGA hat and they didn't try to hang me or anything, but they did definitely attack me. (laughs) I think, I don't know. I I like dogs. I'm a dog person. I've had dogs in my life. There's actually one in the room with me right now. So, I mean, I have nothing... uh, I have nothing against dogs. So you you are of the opinion that that's okay, huh? Yes, I do. It, it, it's actually caused a little bit of an issue because, like, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's this, like, this app called, called Mismatch. And... Oh, yeah, like a dating app, right? <laughs> well, yeah. It, it's not dating. It's, like, marriage yeah, matching. It's, yeah, it, it, it's like a marriage app for, like, Muslims. And I, I put the picture of my dog on there, and... I get women, they're like, oh, is that your dog? And I'm like, yeah. And they just, like, immediately unmatch me. And just, <laughs> <laughs> like, well. Yeah, good on yeah, you for yeah, putting they're... it up front, though. You know, you're not hiding yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, like, she's like an, she's an old dog, but, you know, she's, not, she's my dog. You know, I'm going to include mm-hmm. her in my life as, as long as she's alive. So, Yeah. You might like what that uh, Khaled Abu Al-Fadl has to say about dogs and stuff. And I know, um, uh, what's her name? The uh, the white lady scholar, uh, she has dogs. What's her name? Uh, man, I'm so bad with the names right now. Yeah. I mean, the like, they're man's scholar. best friend. Like, 
Aya Hersi Ali? No. Anyway, it is it is something of like a thing, right? Like a like it's uh, traditionally been understood that you shouldn't keep dogs except as like work animals, keep them outside. Uh, but now there's sort of like a middle ground between just saying like, well, I, I like dogs, so that's it. Uh, there's sort of a thing where it's like you're allowed to keep them for any reason whatsoever, including like they have to have some job or some purpose. Yeah. And that purpose can just be like security, like protection. So well, if you're, yeah. It, uh, that was my rationalization for, for having her because it's like she's like a security dog, but in a sense that she's like a passive one in that when someone breaks into my house, They'll like trip over her because she's too lazy to actually get up and do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you a Maliki, Gerald? I, I'm honestly not in, in any school of jurors, jurisprudence, in all, in all honesty. I mean, I just like kind of take bits and pieces from here and there and just okay. kind of do my own thing. Sure. That I mean, that's sort of what I do, I guess. But like, yeah, the the Maliki, uh, that, that's where you find the leeway for that. Imam um, Malik permitted dogs for any purpose, not just farming and stuff. Not farming, yeah. um, like, like security and hunting and all that. Yeah, yeah hunting, not farming. What's the dog gonna do? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, uh, this is a weird question, Tom. Why, why I should not take part in the holy struggle against the Western infidel that oppresses Muslims worldwide, and why should I not desire to see Islam dominating the globe? <laughs> and my response is, what is your badge number? And what, <laughs> what report you to your supervisor for such bad bait? Have I ever said that people shouldn't do this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty... I feel neutral about this issue. So I'm just... I'm trying to rack my brain if I've ever come <laughs> out hard against like this this attitude or something. My my opinion is that you should run a couple different paradox games, figure out what kind of world configuration you like, what kind of nationalism you want to adopt before you go full on any kind of stance. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you have to play you, first. You got to do Imperador, then you got to do Crusader Kings, then you can do Europe Universalis, but I don't know. I mean, that's kind of boring. But then you can get a Hearts of Iron, and there you can go ahead and do it. It really yeah. breaks my heart that EU is like the boring one, and that's the one with the Ottomans in it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just not fun playing EU, like for the most part. It's just like it's like a chore. Like it's more of a chore than playing Victoria. And yeah. Victoria is just like spreadsheets. Yeah, Victoria's first Victoria one. was so good. Victoria's two is the best one. What are you talking about? It's the best one. You like two? Yeah. I, nice. I I I don't know. I am. I spent a lot of time with the first Victoria and the VIP mod, and uh, it was, yeah, just good times. Yeah. 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 But whoever sends that question in, like, come up with better bait, please. <laughs> Maybe I yeah. have come out against, like, the whole uh, idea of, like, uh, like a the whole caliphate, like, ISIS sort of mentality or something, but, like, come on, you guys are not doing it you know even even the concept of like a global islamic like 
caliphate. Like, I mean, just like look at the EU or something like that, or even the United States, I guess, in a sense, it's like a transnational, like transcontinental thing. Like, it's not like, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't even make sense, right? Like, we can barely get the U.S. to be a functional union. How are you going to get Morocco to Bangladesh to be some kind of functional, you know? Like, it's just, it's just kind of like in the realm of, like, fantasy, I guess, in a sense. Like, it yeah. just kind of doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's a weird uh, placement of priorities where it's like what you really want to see is everyone adopt islam rather than like islam applied in a positive and like effective way first yeah. like among people who are already like we got enough muslims to get something going on <laughs> you know i don't think the problem is numbers and then the idea of like oh we need to establish a government like you you can't even get like a, a mosque board that works really well you know what i mean like let's start <laughs> yeah. there and figure that one out and then move up so, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely travel a bit in the Middle East before. Just do a little bit of that and, and you know, try to do something as simple as like change your visa around. No, uh, pay. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 going on Steam and then going on the little Steam sale and paying like twenty dollars for like Crusader Kings Two is so much easier because that's that that's where you get your little power fantasy fulfilled. You know, instead of actually like working to like do anything towards it. You either A, play Paradox games, or B, um, get baited into, like, some sort of FBI plot, and then, like, sent to jail for, like, 25 years, basically. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, all right. This will be the last question, I think. Well, it's actually not a question. It is a command. It says, <laughs> Tom should join NOI. <laughs> what oh, do you guys God. think? <laughs> He makes a strong argument. They have it, a, they have the big thing in Chicago, right? The big, their big. Yeah, um, I mean Farrakhan temple. lives here. This is like the headquarters. Yeah, yeah. That's why I moved here. You know, have no, you been to one of their no. things. I, I have seen uh, them do like rallies and stuff downtown before. They're loud, as you would expect. Have you ever seen that the one picture of like uh, that one Nation of Islam rally that like a. Uh, uh, Malcolm X had, and you had like those, those two neo Nazis sitting uncomfortably in like the front row. Like I would imagine that would just be Tom, but in like a a black suit and a bow tie, just looking uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I look uncomfortable sitting with all my brothers? <laughs> Tom's quest for the N word pass takes to strange places. Sure. Yeah. I'm just trying to pile up as many N word passes as I can. I can start selling them on the corner yeah, out yeah. of like a the trunk of my car or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got them in like uh what do you call it? Uh underground bunker. Just keep them stacked up for like yeah. after the war or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> after the war. <laughs> Yeah. They uh, are they still on that Yakub stuff and then all that stuff? Do they still believe that, or are they uh, are they retconned that? I don't know. Um, I I I listened to something uh, a few months ago that was talking about like their beliefs about UFOs and how that's really actually a pretty central and important thing, but it's just not something they get put out like for you know like outside the community. It's not something that they really 
put out there so much, you know, so you only really find that kind of stuff out once you're in the group or whatever. And, you know, that, that could be a bunch of BS, but it's kind of interesting. Like the stuff he was saying, like they, apparently Farrakhan claims to have like built a spaceship with the Japanese in like the seventies and that it's like called the mothership or something like that. No, I'm interested in that sort of thing. I kind of want to hear about that. That sounds dope. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll send you the podcast. I, I did remember seeing a thing about how like there was some sort of like link between um, I, I guess Louis Farrakhan reaching out to like the Church of Scientology about some of that sort of stuff. I guess like have you ever, have you guys ever seen anything about that before? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like like why? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I man, I did. I saw something that was sort of explaining what the point of that was, and I. I don't remember what it is now, but I think a lot of it has to do with like Farrakhan essentially is a, a like a business magnate, you know, he, he, he wants to have like a little like empire, like a business empire and uh Scientology that you get, I think he was looking for funding or support of some kind from them. It might have been legal support or something because no one's got better lawyers than the Scientologist. So it, it was some sort of like attempt to make an alliance with them that didn't really work out. So that's why it kind of like didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was something along those lines. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's just funny to imagine like these like brainwashed Scientologists like white people working as slaves for Farrakhan, like making bean <laughs> pies and stuff. It's <laughs> like MLK looking down from the sky. And just like, <laughs> MLK's like, I'll, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> like my, my dream's been achieved. <laughs> him, yeah. him talking about Yakub and, and all the alien stuff and they're just naughty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh yeah, that, but that definitely is a, a pretty big um, lacking point in in, in um, quote unquote orthodox Islam. We gotta we gotta start talking about UFOs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. these we, kids. We are behind on the UFO race. We we, <laughs> we really need to start making kutbas about UFOs like as soon as possible. Yeah, I'm, what's his name? Imran Hussein is kind of on that a little bit. Oh man, he's great. <laughs> I know he's like a, he's kind of a, a crackpot in a lot of a sense, but I, I just like that whole side of it is, you know, of what he talks about basically about conspiracies and, you know, getting back on the gold standard. I just, I just miss that sort of like, like kind of older sort of conspiracy theory fringe sort of stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's as close as we got to like a Muslim Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah. I need somewhere I can go with my theories and bounce them off somebody with knowledge well we're always here for you if you ever want to do that (laughs) yeah well thanks guys for coming on that was a nice conversation and um, yeah if you uh, enjoyed this and want a second episode every week you can join our Patreon for five dollars a month and uh, if you have any questions just send them to our Curious account which you can find pinned on the Twitter account and uh, we also have a Discord, which uh, if you subscribe, you can uh, join. And um, all sorts of malcontents are in there uh, gibbering about nonsense with us. And um, yeah, so thanks for listening.